This is your host, Vernon Terrell with Grace Ministries International, and it's time for Walking Free. And welcome back. This is Vernon Terrell with my awesome wife, Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Vernon. And we're going to continue in our discussion of 1 Corinthians. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So with that, just a quick little, not warning, but it is sensitive content. This content uh, may not be suitable for all ages. So uh, we're going to talk about marriage, what Paul says about marriage. And uh, so just a quick little heads up. Heads up. Heads up. Here we go. Here we go. So we're in 1 Corinthians 7. So let's... um, read just a little bit of 1 Corinthians 7, and um, we're going to talk through it. Verse 1 says, Now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, but because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife, and each woman is to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again, so Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But this I say by way of concession, not of command, Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. And uh, I'll stop right there. We'll see how far we get if we want to read a little bit more as we go through this. As when we start out, Paul says, hey, concerning the things about which you wrote. So we know Paul got a letter. He got a letter, and they had some questions, and Paul is uh, uh, answering. We don't necessarily, I don't, we don't have that letter, the benefit of that letter, but we have the benefit of Paul's answer. So we start to glean maybe uh, a little bit about what the questions were. I, I think an important aspect for putting that into context is when you just read this first verse. Um, it's good for a man not to touch a woman, or some versions say not to marry. Um, it could sound like Paul has a pretty negative or low view of marriage. And just as you were wrapping up at the end, he says, uh, I wish that all men were even as I myself am. And it, it sounds like, okay, so he, he sounds like he's single at this point. Um, there's some theorize that he was a widower at this point, um, but uh, others think maybe he was married and his wife left him mm-hmm. um, when, when he came to faith in in Jesus as his Messiah. That was pretty radical. It was a radical transformation. <laughs> and when you think of the track he was on, um, mm-hmm. and the reason that many believe that he was married uh, was because in the Jewish tradition, um, it was, Jesus said right in Genesis, be fruitful, multiply. Um, it was uh, culturally important, but also we know that he was a voting member of the Sanhedrin. Yes, he was. And to be a member of the Sanhedrin, he needed to be married. 
So at some point, it seems he was married. Mm-hmm. And in context, it seems like he's no longer married at this point. So Something happened. Something happened there. And mm. so when he's speaking, he's speaking from the relevancy of his own personal experience. But we have to keep in mind the full, uh, everything that Paul says about marriage, because when you look at other letters that he's written to other churches, he has such a high view of marriage. He really honors marriage. So I think it's important that we don't cherry pick. We have to understand the Corinthians were in a really tough bind. Culturally, um, they were they were living in a in a in a culture. The church was was there planted where there was rampant immorality, mm. uh, pagan worship. And even uh, it seems we'll get further along in this chapter that there was a famine going on. So there were some real tough situations. So this is writing to folks who are facing some really difficult challenges. So his uh, advice for them is in the context of what they're really facing. Absolutely. And you mentioned that word touch and uh, that word is used uh, in various ways uh, in uh, the New Testament. And the uh, idea of this word is to handle an object. This is from Spiros Zodiates, a wonderful Greek uh, scholar, wrote uh, a lot of uh, material on uh, around the scripture and uh, the original language. And it's to handle an object, this word hapso, to handle an object so it's to exert a modifying influence upon it. It was used uh, uh, as to kindle a fire, even. And the idea, it uh, seems here, it's good for a man not to touch or to influence, to touch in such a way a woman that's going to kindle that fire. Uh, it's like you're kindling the fire to get it roaring. So it's good for a man not to do that. Right. And, and where we left off in, in chapter six, he was talking about that sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. And uh, this isn't going to be a message that's really popular for our general culture, because as we get through this whole chapter, he makes it really clear that God's design is for a man and a woman to have this physical connection only inside marriage because it's so powerful uh it's like a fire it's like the fires we see in california you you say oh you got a little fire and you're keeping warm man when that fire gets out of control it's devastating Mm -hmm. the damage that it leaves i I remember flying into la this is a couple years back when some the fires were going on i remember driving down uh, from the airport going to calabasas and the and you're just looking on either side and you're seeing the you're seeing the the devastation of the fire and okay, the smoke. Okay, so we haven't talked about this before, but no. I lived in California. You're mm. talking about 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the year, it was in, yes. in October, and I was driving south because I lived up in the valley at the time. Driving south to the airport, I distinctly remember exactly what you're talking about. Um, that pass, that mountain pass, was mm-hmm. on fire, and literally the the firefighters were in hazmat suits. It looked like a scene out of a sci-fi movie. It was that awful. fire just took over uh, near near the Getty. Um, it was up where the Getty is. Oh my goodness! And and I wonder if we passed. I wonder if we passed we, each we other on the road. Pa- we might have. We may have passed. Our first meeting was in we <laughs> on the one on one. Exactly. This uh, that's what uh, that damage. Paul is is encouraging them here. Hey, you want to avoid the damage 
uh, and the devastation of the fire. So it's good for a man not to touch a woman in that way. And he says, but because of immoralities. Now, we're gleaning that they wrote, they asked this question, number one, in the letter. Uh, and he says, because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife and each woman to have her own husband. I think there were two ways that this would swing. I think um, the church was either dealing with uh, licentiousness, mm. where people got this message of grace, and they're like, woohoo, we can just go and have any kind of sexual activity we want, because my goodness, it's covered by grace. Jesus died for that, so we can just physically have whatever pleasures we want. And Paul says, no, it's not licensed. But then there were those who went to legalism, and they had this mindset of, we can't even get married. Um, it's wrong to be getting married because we're engaging in sex, and it's like this body's evil. Yeah, we can't we can't uh, uh, arouse that sensation. It's wrong, even inside of marriage, which is not at all what Paul is teaching. So he's trying to give them what those uh, guardrails are that God is saying. This is the design that I've made for you. This verse we're on verse two here. Um, each man is to have his own wife, and each woman is to have her own husband. Again, in our culture. Um, just the fact that we're we're reading this scripture and saying that out mm -hmm. loud is very could be very controversial. Um, God is defining for us what marriage is, that it's one man, one woman. It's not one man and three women, two women, eight women. It's not man on man. It's not woman on woman. It is one man and one woman, and it's well-defined. And you say, oh, well, he's not relevant to, to today because we have all these different sexual, um, you know, back then, my goodness, it was as bad or worse back in the Roman culture. Right. Why was, why was Paul even ever writing about homosexuality if it wasn't present in the culture that they were in? Absolutely. So, um, so we're, we're just saying this is God's design. He said it that way from the beginning, and um, and he reiterates it here. It's not just an Old Testament, you know, Adam and Eve, and, and that's how we started. Here's Paul again, thousands of years later, saying um, each man is to have his own wife. Each woman is to have her own husband. It's the way God's designed us um, for for really to glorify him. There's, there's great mystery that comes in the union of a man and a wife. And that's what I was saying. Paul has such mm -hmm. a high view when you see what he says in Ephesians 5. This is a good little rabbit trail for folks to go on is go read Ephesians 5 and see there's a mystery that's revealed in the union between a man and a woman. So we'll leave that as a cliffhanger for you guys. Absolutely. Go for it. And this and the idea, first of all, when we talk about homosexuality, hot button, um, sexual identity, hot button, we need to realize, number one, this is not an excuse to be ugly, mean, or um, to be uh, unloving to those who are struggling. And some will say, I'm not struggling. That's, that's my decision. Okay, it's still not our place to be unloving and unkind to those who have a different view, to those who are practicing this. this our job is to love, but at the same time, we can, especially when someone asks, and you say, I didn't ask. Well, you're watching, you're listening to the podcast, I should say. So we'll just assume that's asking. God does have a design. And it would be uh, it would be irresponsible for us not to, as we're reading the scripture, to talk about God's design. This is the design. The designer said, one man, one woman, and this is how it plays out. This is what works best. 
Right. And when when we get to other passages that talk explicitly uh, about that, I think we can go even deeper mm-hmm. with um, ministering to the hearts of people who are questioning this. There's a lot of people, even in the church, who do struggle with same-sex attraction and with all types of, uh, of sexual challenges. And uh, we want to have the freedom to put that on the table at Grace Ministries in our counseling office. You know, we hear a lot of people carrying secret uh, struggles, secret sins, and we're not there to judge. We're there to help them experience their victory in Christ um, and to experience freedom from sin. And sometimes what you're describing is that it feels like I'm just stuck in this and I don't have a choice. And when we look at the gospel, uh, the way Jesus presented it, we actually now have a choice um, to walk in our freedom. So- and there's always, there is hope. There is hope, and that word immorality is that word porneus, and it's a pornea, and it is a, a word that's a really relational. It's it's this word that is talking about a relational um, sex. It's not just adultery. It's it's really a very broad word of any sexual sin, and it's what I've seen in the scripture. This word is always in the context of another person. Okay, so it's um, whether it's, uh, I'll just leave it that way, undefined, uh, any relational sexual sin. And, but I think it's interesting where he says in verse two, each man is to have his own wife and each woman is to have her own husband. The fact that he's even mentioning women um, is huge because women were really not even, they were not on an equal status with men in the culture. And Jesus habitually was raising the status of women. Uh, And when Paul is saying each man is to have his own wife, each woman is to have her own husband, that statement right there to me is astounding because generally, well, women, whatever, women are going to do what they're told to do. But Paul is doing what Jesus did. It said, you know what? Man, woman, they are all, they are equal before God. And he's giving them that respect and status each man his own wife, each woman her own husband, the husband. Now, here's a tough one, a crazy one. What does this next verse mean? The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife and likewise also the wife to her husband. Well, what duty is he talking about? What is the duty? I don't think it's the dishes in the context here. I don't think, no, it's not the dishwasher. I don't either. think it's the, the yard work. Nope, not vacuuming. No. So what's the duty? Well, let's um, maybe keep reading sure. and then we'll come back to all of it. The wife does not have authority over her, her own body. That has so many implications. It does. I'm glad he didn't stop right there. Exactly. He goes, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise... The husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And we're getting a clue here in verse 5. Stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Wow. So what's the duty here? Well, Let's... clearly it's it's the sexual intimacy between husband and wife. That's what that's what we're talking about. It's the sexual intimacy. And some people weaponize 
sex. Unfortunately, yes. In a marriage relationship, they use it as a leverage point, and that is not at all the design. Right. Some people are demanding it and using it uh, for control. Some people are withholding it and using that for control. So what's how do we, how do we uh, how do we answer the question when it says the husband must fulfill his duty? Is it a duty? What does it mean? It's a duty. Well, let's look at that word in the Greek and see what it says. That word uh, is um, often used as a generalized word of a to owe something. It's a it's a debt. It's a it's a service also that what someone owes. Uh, it is, again, this almost uh, a word that means there's an obligation here that's been established in this relationship. And that's the obligation. This is going back to Genesis again, where God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And so he uh, creates Eve uh, to be a, a bride for Adam, and he puts them together. And what does he tell them? Get to it. Do it. Get to it. Uh, I want you guys to be sexually intimate with each other, and the fruit of that is going to be children. It, there's other wonderful purposes for, for pleasure and intimacy, but uh, God is the first one who said um, that inside of marriage is the place where uh, where sex exists. So this is interesting that we have a culture that says, I can have sex anywhere, and God's saying, no, that sex belongs inside of marriage, but now Paul is clarifying and saying, well, actually... Sex is an important part of the union between a husband and a wife. It's how it's, our bodies are designed, uh, and some people will, will say that we are sexual beings. I, I dispute that. We're spiritual beings, but we do have a sexual component, and, and it's not evil. It's part of the design of our humanness, of our body. And so how do we, how do we um, express that design? Paul tells us in this wonderful relationship of marriage. And when you come together, you've said, I am forsaking all others, and I'm coming together with this one person. And so in that union, there is an obligation to fulfill that sexual desire with each other. You've come together and made that agreement, that vow, to come together and express that wonderful, wonderful design of human intimacy. I think it's important to, again, look at the Ephesians 5 passage, because this is speaking explicitly to husbands, husbands and wives. And Paul, uh, Paul says in verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for the Lord. And I know a lot of times we start this passage in verse 22, but really he prefaces it with this idea that that there's going to be a submission one to another. And you see this repetition again where um, I have a duty as your wife to make my body uh, available to you. You have a duty as my husband to make your body available to me. And we, how do we work that out? Well, in submission to each other. Um, there may be a time that one person is interested and the other, you know, says they're, they're, they're not in that, in that place right at that time. And it's okay to let that moment pass. And it's also okay to do the flip and to say, I might not really be in that mood, but hey, let's take some steps to get in the mood together. Exactly. And that's where, that's the, that's the communication. That's the love one to another. 
as Michelle said, when we submit to one another, um, you may have a desire, but you're submitting to your partner that says, man, I'm, maybe I'm feeling a little sick. I'm just feeling a little, not, I'm just tired. Uh, what we don't want to do is, is use that as this, um, for example, I'm tired. I'm tired all the time. Is that really true, or is there something else going on? Or it could really be true, but um, there might be a, a pressing in together mm-hmm. uh, for that. Because some people, I think of folks, especially with uh, chronic yes. illnesses and stuff, there are situations where people legitimately have uh, have situations, physical limitations. And so that's, again, oh, the intimacy of coming together and saying, um, boy, I have these limitations, but can we still enjoy each other sexually? And that's why this uh, the passage uh, in 1 Corinthians is we are, it, it, it doesn't say explicitly what this looks like. It says, right. I have to give you, I'm going to give you my body. There's a lot that you can enjoy here, and there's a lot that I can enjoy there's there. There's more than one way to skin a cat. There is more than one way to enjoy a spouse. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think the words to look out for in what Paul is saying here is always and never. Mm. If you always have to give in or you're never putting out, mm-hmm. <laughs> there is probably a problem uh, in the in the submitting one to each other. And that's a good... and that's. Could be a not a flag, but I use the word flag of mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, we need to talk, communicate." And if you can't, maybe you need to come together with a third party. That's what counseling's all about, and talk it through. There's reasons why we don't do things, and there's reasons, by the way, some folks are very—they're just always on, if you will. And there may be a reason behind that where they feel. Oh, the, are you talking about a strong sexual drive? A strong okay. sexual drive. Thank you. Where there's just always, you know, what's behind all of that? Right. And the, the flip side is uh, is people who are in the never wanting to go there and maybe they're carrying shame issues. Yes. There could be unresolved wounds from the past that legitimately need to be healed and worked through to give them the freedom. Uh, so we want to be really sensitive. A, a lot of times, uh, I know a lot of folks are going to be hearing this who are are walking in those wounds and, and experiencing those wounds still, and they're just beating themselves up. I want to give a word of encouragement to you. Don't let the enemy use this passage to say, oh, see, you're blowing it. You're not doing it right. Um, how about taking a step back and saying, Lord, um, reveal to me that the areas of brokenness reveal to me the wounds and walk me in that healing so I can enjoy this marriage if you're married that I can enjoy this marriage uh, as you've designed it to be or for our singles who are struggling uh you know there's a, a group of singles who so long to be married mm. um, and I know even for them to hear this message is is painful just to hear the flip side of it they long to be in a marriage where they could be intimate with someone and um, and to just give you that word of encouragement is is waiting on the Lord and preparing your heart um, for 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 what may come if you are carrying those wounds this is the time to be addressing it. This is the time to be uh, digging into those areas of shame, any misconceptions about sexuality, uh, about marriage, and especially about God's heart for you. God is not withholding any good thing from you. He promises that uh, to us. is No good thing do I withhold. So if you're longing for this relationship, I just want to give you that word of encouragement. Your, your Heavenly Father loves you 
dearly and is not holding out. Um, but he has his purpose and he has his timing in your life. And this is a great time if you are um, single or if you're in a relationship and you're planning to get married or especially if you're engaged, premarital counseling, talk about this stuff now ahead of time with a counselor uh, if you're engaged. Uh, you know, as you say that, I, I'm just looking at this uh, verse four, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. But you know what? Um, a fiance has authority over their own body. Yes. Right? When you're engaged uh, or yes. a girlfriend or a boyfriend, they have authority over their own body. So uh, this is really explicit. Uh, up until the point mm-hmm. of marriage, I have full authority over my body and I'm responsible for That's whether right. I give somebody access to my body or not. But once we get married, um, then we have this beautiful union where it's uh, it's shared. I don't just have the final say. And that's why uh, it's good to set boundaries. That's where it says it's good for a man not to touch a woman. You have authority, and you can choose not to touch a woman. Uh, and that's because that's part of that. That's and that woman and or the man, you have authority to say no, and you need to set boundaries. And uh, that is a good thing. But when you're engaged, it's good to talk about the root issues about uh, about sex and fears and and desires. And get that on the table with a counselor uh, before you get married. And as you are married, things will come up. And it's good to say, hey, can we talk about this? And be open to talking about these very sensitive issues. In verse 5, stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time so that you may be devoted, you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. All right, I'm going to throw out there a tough one for you, Vernon. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard this one uh, many times of uh, people, and I'm going to say mostly I've heard it uh, of husbands using this verse as an excuse for infidelity, saying, my spouse was not uh, willing to have sexual relationship with me for an extended period of time, and it drove me, it drove me into the arms of another person. Uh, That is definitely a lame excuse, but... When if that only works if you say, well, yeah, I have no victory over the enemy. If that's true, then okay. Except if you're in Christ, do you have victory? Uh, if you're in Christ, do you have all power in Him? If you're in Christ, uh, are you uh, are you one who is righteous and holy and pure? Yes, you are. He says so. Yes, Satan will tempt you. Satan's going to tempt you either way. He's the tempter. Yeah, is what th- is Satan doing to all of our single folks? He's tempting them. Absolutely. Right? And they they don't have uh, a spouse to connect with sexually. So Yeah, I mean this look and and he says he'll tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Well, if as you walk in the spirit and yield to him, what is the fruit of the spirit? Self-control. You see, we're tempted Uh, James says this one, that everyone is tempted when we're um, drawn away and enticed. When we're drawn away and enticed. And that's what the enemy does. He, as we're drawn away and enticed by our, James says, by our own lust, that word lust is these desires. And I believe it's when it's the desires that are outside of God's design. We're drawn away and enticed. And if you want to, uh, just knowing this ahead of time, that, yeah, you will be you will be tempted. Well, number one, you can be tempted either way. Just mark it down. 
But knowing that, that's why he says that you uh, devote yourselves to prayer uh, and then you uh, come together again so Satan will not tempt you. I think sometimes uh, what happens in marriage is you have a relational conflict Mm. and it's hard to be physically intimate when you have an emotional uh, disruptance in the, in the relationship. And I love that he, he wraps that into this verse is take some time to pray when you're having relational conflict, you got to own your stuff and do the repair so you can come back together. So I, I don't think it's, it's fair to say uh, you can show up, be uh, Mr. Grumpy, Mrs. Cranky Pants, and then just expect your spouse to to jump into bed and, and be physically intimate when you have a, a relational uh, upset there. So we got to own our stuff, take responsibility, and do the repair work so that we can continually keep coming back back together uh, physically and in, that's a, in what, a safe way. And that's what was happening. Uh, he says, stop depriving one another. Obviously, he's gotten word through this letter or other ways that, well, People are de- depriving, or spouses are depriving each other. I said, and that's not good. Don't deprive. Um, but again, as you said, when there's this relational conflict, when we're angry, we tend to separate. That's just what happens. We get conflict, conflict divides. Uh, we get angry. And what is the only solution for anger when Paul writes in his letter, in his Colossians or Ephesians, I have to look at it again, but he says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And he tells us to that we should be, we should forgive one another. When you're angry, we forgive one another. Forgiveness is the uh, is the answer uh, to anger because we're angry at a hurt. Generally, we're hurt, and the and the response to that is forgiveness. Anger is normal. It's an emotion. It's going to happen. But what do we do? The underlying is generally a hurt. And our response to that is to forgive. And we forgive, and that brings, and that opens the door to reconciliation. And as we come together in reconciliation, we can come together intimately. All right, I have a question. If we were to pull all of our uh, married listeners, how many of our married listeners do you think have done what this verse says is taken a time, they sat down with their spouse, and they said, you know what? Um, for the next three days or the next week, let's not have sexual relations, but let's take the time and pray and fast in, in place of that. How many do you th- think have done that? Wow, I, I would. It would be a low percentage. Have you Have you ever done that? Um, no. No, me neither. You want to try it? We'll have to try. It. And you know what? This, although this is uh, for married couples, <laughs> something we did do before we got married. Right. A month before. You know, we said we're not going. We ha- we had boundaries around. You know, we'll, uh, we're going to kiss. Kissing is good. Kissing is okay. In fact, it's wonderful. But we said, you know what? Before we're married, it was a month before we said, uh, leading up to our wedding, we're not going to kiss. Right. We wanted the kiss at the wedding. At the kiss at the wedding to be the first kiss in a long time. Yes. And wow, was that powerful? That was amazing. And that's something you know. Just throw out for you engaged couples if you want to uh, try that one. All right. But, so are we making a commitment on this podcast? We're going to try. We're going to try this. We'll let you know how it goes. Okay. First we're going to make an agreement and we're going to pray uh, and come together and devote ourselves to prayer. And uh, we'll see uh, how that goes. 
And uh, so um, well, let's stop there. This is a good stopping point. Should, should we challenge our married couples to try it too? Let's challenge you. If you want to try it, let us know. I'd love to get an email or a comment uh, uh, if how that works for you. And we want you to really communicate with your spouse about sex, about intimacy. Uh, that's so important. What uh, What is nice for you? What's not? What What you like? What you don't? These are good. These are topics we should be talking about. Really, and putting on the table the barriers. If there's barriers to intimacy, let's start being allies and not seeing each other as the enemy, mm. but let's realize there is an enemy. That's what verse 5 says. Satan is the enemy. He not only tempts us, but he is always accusing us, right? He's deceiving us, mm. especially if you're carrying that shame, if you have... Um, issues about how you feel about your body, how you feel about being naked by yourself or or naked with your spouse. Um, You have an enemy to your soul who does not want you um, to experience your freedom. So what if we could stand hand in hand with our spouse and ally together and realize the enemy is not the person you're holding hands with. Uh, We have an enemy of our soul outside of us. Maybe that's some of what we need to be uh, devoting ourselves to prayer is for healing of our um, of our intimacy in mm-hmm. our marriages. That's a good point. And what we like to say, spirit, soul, and body, naked and, and not ashamed. So that is what we want for you. Well, as the we always say uh, on the podcast, you say, oh, I want uh, more intimacy with my spouse. I want uh, to experience that. I don't know what your next step would be. I don't know what the Lord's directing to uh, for you to uh, the step for you to take, uh, but pray about it. Uh, listen to the Lord, and as we say, we want you to stop talking about it and start walking. You've been listening to Walking Free, a production of Grace Ministries International in Marietta, Georgia. For more information, go to our website at gment.org. That's G M I N T dot o-r-g